0: Welcome to the Trauma-Informed Witch Podcast, where we'll talk about patriarchy, mental health, creating money and abundance, and how to live a life that feels rich and that is rich. Let's go. All right, everyone, I'm super excited to have Maisie Hill on the podcast with us. She's a author and a coach and she used to be a doula and um, she's very she's an expert on menstrual health I don't know if that's how you (laughs) describe yourself yeah
1: I mean really like I would say I cover the reproductive health spectrum in terms of you know my first book period power was all about an in-depth look at the cycle how we can use our hormones and kind of stop being a victim to them and actually use them in really powerful ways and care for our cycles but as you mentioned I have like a long history of working as a birth doula and I was also an acupuncturist for many years so in various ways I have looked after wombs and ovaries whether it's like (laughs) Doing like hand, like using my hands and reflexology, massage, acupuncture, and things, whether it's assisting at births in the postpartum, or whether it's caring for someone as they transition in perimenopause and into their postmenopausal years, which is what my second book was about. So, really, kind of anything to do with hormones and Mm -hmm. uh, the reproductive system and the nervous system, I'm down to geek out on.
0: Yeah. So, so I was telling you before we hit record, I listened to your podcast, you, you were a guest on Kristen Voss's podcast, who's a social selling genius, Kristen is. And, um, I loved the discussion about how the menstrual cycle and being an entrepreneur and business go together. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that about how
1: those two things. Yeah, that's a great place to jump in and I think the main thing there is like this is such a huge benefit, there are many benefits, but it's such a huge benefit of getting to know your particular cycle. So if you're someone who has a menstrual cycle, whatever yours happens to be like is the beauty of getting to know your cycle because once you start tracking your cycle, and I have like a free cycle tracker that people can download from my website, but once you're tracking your cycle, over the course of a few cycles, you start to spot your particular patterns. You might have a sense of that already, and we're just kind of through cycle tracking, bringing that into more focus and being more intentional with paying attention. And when I say paying attention, I mean to things like mood, behavior, energy levels, desire, things that you're interested in, things that you have no interest in. And when you get to know these things, you can actually, they become very predictable. So you can start to forecast ahead. And this is going to vary depending on how regular your cycle is. I'm 41 now. So my cycle is kind of varying a bit in terms of length. But you can start to predict what's going to happen and that means that sometimes you can plan your business according to your cycle. right? So I have an online membership, The Flow Collective, and for the most part I coach in certain points of my cycle and I don't coach in other parts of my wow. cycle and guest coaches come in and coach for me. And I always like consider their cycles as well and they have the option of going actually I'm going to have some heavy bleeding then. I don't particularly want to be on a call. So it's very much a like two-way conversation. But you only know that through tracking your cycle. So you know, it can come into play in terms of, you know, when you might plan to do a webinar or when you might, you know, if you're working as a practitioner, for example, when you might do a marketing event of some kind, or when you might choose to load up your schedule a bit more and other points where you might choose to lighten it. When I was an acupuncturist, there were days in my cycle, this is back when I had horrific period pain, where I just wouldn't work with clients. It was just a no-go. Two days, I don't treat people, I'm taking care of myself. And I'm saying this like knowing I have a webinar coming up next week that I'm doing. And it's like right before my period is due. So it's, Sometimes it's about, yes, you can change your life to suit your cycle. We don't always have the ability to do that to the level that we would like to. And so I like to give the analogy of it is like knowing the weather forecast in advance. Like some days if it's rainy, you can text a friend and go, you know what, let's go for coffee tomorrow or whatever. But most of the time we still crack on with our days and we just take an umbrella or we make different arrangements with our clothing or a method of transport in order to consider that so i'm doing this webinar next week and i just know it's at a point in my cycle where i want to like slow down that day and like really tend to my nervous system really be present with what my needs are so that then i can give that webinar and it not cost me in some way in terms of like causing dysregulation or like me not being able to perform at my best so although like it's not the ideal point in my cycle I can still do it but I can only do that because I know that's what's going to be going on whereas if you're not tracking and you don't know these things you're just walking it's like such an underused tool the menstrual cycle.
0: Yeah and I think one thing I've talked about before is like the Monday to Friday work week was created. I mean, I guess I I heard recently that it was like created by Henry Ford or something, it was like a car factory thing, but it was created based on cis men's hormone cycles, which renew every 24 hours. And so, you know, those of us who menstruate or have those, those other hormones, (laughs) a different hormone cycle, we've been fitting ourselves into, for many of us, into this old paradigm even you know the school system is doesn't take account that at all and then when you get a job you know for the most part you're expected to to show up and i heard i heard this in a comedy routine so maybe you can verify and and maybe we just won't verify but this female comic was saying you know that they've done research and Menstrual cramps are equivalent to the pain of a heart attack.
1: Yeah, there is some research on that. There is some data on that. Yeah, yeah.
0: and so you know, and and when I think about my life in my early twenties or whatever, you know, having menstrual cramps and pretending that I don't, and pretending that everything's fine and that I can be as productive yeah. as I am, you know. When I'm ovulating and I do feel amazing or whatever, and and so I think this is such a, an important conversation because I think there's, you know, even right now I'm in um, Simone Soul's mastermind, the Sovereign Business Mastermind, which is amazing, yeah. yeah, and it's all of these, you know, high level coaches, badasses, like, you know, mostly women that. I look up to and I think so many of us in the mastermind the the thing that people get coached on and it seems to be the most painful or you know whatever one of the most intense topics is resting Mm. and taking time off and having vacation or having times of lower productivity
1: yeah and it's so interesting because I've been reflecting on this recently about like why I'm so able to do that. Because I was having a conversation with a colleague Mm. who was saying a similar thing about the clients that she works with is like, most people are gonna find this challenging, the idea of resting to this level, really switching off, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I would find that a problem. And the reason I don't think, the reason I think it's so easy for me is because I've worked with my cycle for so long So, you know, originally it started off because like the level of pain was dictating that I did take time off. I mean, for sure, I could have like got extra strong painkillers and, you know, pushed myself to do it and all of those things. I decided not to. So I think I came up against some of those societal beliefs and pressures that we also internalize back then. I was like, is it okay for me to take two days off because I have cramps, right? And I went through that in my early to mid twenties and I'm now 41. So it's like literally 20 years of doing it. And so Mm -hmm. now, and then even when I healed that pain and then I just decided actually, so now I could work on these days but do I want to work on those days? And that's where you go from like, well, this is something I need to do into, well, this is just something that I want to do and it's still important to me, it's still a need of mine on some level, it's just the pain level of pain isn't the thing that's dictating it anymore. And so I do have days when I rest and I don't do much and then there are weeks where I do more. And to go to your point about the whole Monday to Friday working week, Sometimes the days where I am able to get into a state of flow very easily and and a sustained level of flow, sometimes those days are on the weekend, right? right. So and I have a young family. I have a about to be six year old and a partner, and there's that kind of, again, societal expectation that we spend weekends together. right? So sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, I, of course I want to hang out with you guys, but like, this is such a great day for me to work. And there is this project that I want to work on. So let's discuss that. But then equally on the Tuesday, I might be like, yeah, I'm going to take my kids swimming. I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish work early. And you know, it's just that I think the ability to notice a name where you're at and to honor that and to communicate it with anyone that it feels important or helpful to.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like we grew up in this paradigm that was that was created for the cis men hormone cycle and that's just the norm, right? Like that's just the the air that we breathe and then It's kind of like you 20 years ago started entering this other paradigm and now you're kind of there right where you're like no this this is also real and and has an impact and and i can choose to a degree what i want to do and sometimes i am gonna you know do a webinar when it's not the ideal point and i'm gonna choose that and so i think in some ways that's why it's so important to have these conversations about it and kind of get it out in the open is to, because I I think I heard this quote regarding anti-racism by, um, Ibram, Ibram X. Kendi, and I'm not going to get the words right, but, but what he said was the strongest tool of racism is denial or something like that. Like Mm. when we pretend something doesn't exist, it's, easy to not fix it. And I think it's the same with patriarchal, you know, conditions when we just pretend, oh, it should be Monday to Friday and you should feel fine and you should show up and you shouldn't take time off for menstrual health. It's okay if you have a cold, (laughs) but if you have this intense pain, that's, you know, as intense as a heart attack, you shouldn't Yeah.
1: And I think, and it's interesting because, you know, in recent years, the discussion of menstrual leave for employees has come Mm -hmm. up and, you know, there are some countries that have tried to implement that and, you know, there have been some not so great examples of, of trying to do that as well. But I think it's, there's been some interesting research here in the UK by an amazing charity called Bloody Good Period. and what they found was that a, a significant number, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but a significant number of menstruators, people with periods were concerned that this would be used against them. So, so I think it comes into like issues of career safety and career progression. So it's like, well, if I'm sharing this about myself, then is my employer or my colleagues thought going to be, well, you know, every month Shirley has to take two days off, she's not the most reliable, right? Because yeah. we're measured, our success is measured usually by the time we put in and the things that we're ticking off rather than the results that we're creating. because yeah. so like really, what does it matter if Shirley takes two days off or she takes 15 days off if she's still delivering?
0: Yeah,
1: Which is like a strong possibility that can happen. But that's not what's measured
0: yeah and that's like another paradigm that i'm like i feel like that's like one of the one it's like there are these things like patriarchy and racism and, and ableism and that that are starting to be recognized and we're starting to see them more clearly and of course some people don't think they exist and and that will always happen, but in certain circles, it's becoming more recognized. But I feel like this industrialism (laughs) layer is like more invisible or less discussed of what you're talking about, where it's like, it's all about time. And if you're productive on Monday and Tuesday, but then you're not productive on Wednesday, Mm. then you're not worthy anymore. Versus yeah. I mean
1: the link for sure I would agree there like the link between um productivity and self-worth is very strong and ingrained and certainly in my work with my clients that's often the thing that we're kind of rubbing up against uh, and it's always amusing for me and for them because they're generally like high achievers Overperformers always over deliver on everything, work very hard, but at the same time berate themselves and, you know, don't treat themselves well in terms of resting and taking time off. And when I say taking time off, I mean really taking time off, not just like not being at your desk, but still thinking about your right. work or your clients all the time. Yeah.
0: Right. Genuinely taking time where you can do whatever you want. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it was on Kristen's podcast or your podcast, but I heard you once talk about the, the parts of menstruation, like the seasons, maybe you could talk a little bit about that just for people who are maybe relatively brand new to, to these concepts to start to understand. Yes. How That's a, impact yes,
1: because this is so helpful and it shifts everything. So, basically, I have done all sorts of training and one of the apprenticeships I did with, with these amazing women, Alexandra Pope and Shani hugo Wurlitzer, and they pioneered this idea that your menstrual cycle has seasons. In the same way that the calendar year has seasons, so does your experience of your cycle. And so these concepts really came from them. And what that means is roughly speaking, well, what I will also say is the thing about the seasons is they are distinct, usually in terms of your experience of them. Everyone has their own individual experiences, but they're also not set periods of time. So this isn't like a one week is this and right? the next week is that. Some people's seasons can be very short. It all depends on your cycle. So basically the time around when your period starts and the time in which you're bleeding is your inner winter. And then as you're coming out of that period and you're kind of starting to gear up towards ovulation, you are in the spring season of your cycle. Around ovulation, you're in the summer phase of your cycle and premenstrual is the autumn phase. Everyone has their natural home in the cycle. Right, some people love the energy of summer when they're ovulating. Some people love the experience they have when they're bleeding of winter. Other people can't stand certain seasons. Right, we all have our kind of love and loathe moments of the cycle. Um, But what's going on is that around the time when you have your winter, when you are bleeding, your hormone levels are, are pretty low compared to other points. And then as you're coming into your spring phase. Your hormone levels are increasing and they can be increasing at like quite a rapid rate. So this is typically, not always, but typically associated with an increase in energy and mood. Um, and that's related to the hormones, their impact on your neurotransmitter, what's going on with your nervous system, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then your hormones peak just before ovulation. So a couple of days before ovulation, we have estrogen peaking, testosterone peaking then you ovulate and those hormone hormone levels plummet and then in the summer phase of your cycle this is when your hormone levels are peaking so 2 days roughly before ovulation your levels of estrogen peak so does testosterone and then after ovulation those hormone levels plummet and this is so important for people to know because what can happen is around when those hormone levels are peaking you feel on top of the world, right? You might feel like you can do anything, so productive, really chatty. It's like, you're just magnetic and people and opportunities are coming to you. And it's like, oh my God, my world is just amazing. Life is brilliant. And then those hormone levels plummet. And suddenly where you might find yourself is, oh, I just can't be bothered with anything. Like feels really hard. I just want to stay on the sofa and you know why what's changed like last week I felt so good and what people do is they just start to beat themselves up and all that's happened is their hormone levels have changed so when you know this your default position can be like oh my hormones have just dropped off of course I'm thinking these things of course I'm feeling this way this makes so much sense and then we don't get like stuck in this inner critic place of beating ourselves up and judging ourselves And then as we move through into the autumn phase of the cycle, premenstrual, this is when hormone levels are high again, but it's a different set of hormones. We're talking about oestrogen and progesterone. And this is very different because the hormone levels are high, but whereas in the first half of the cycle, and by that, I mean the start of your period to the moment of ovulation, the whole point of your hormones is like, they're trying to get you to go out and find a mate, have sex and procreate right? So they make you chatty, flirty, increase in sexual desire, all these things. Whereas post ovulation, the second half of the cycle, the consideration is, you may have conceived, you might be pregnant. So let's keep you safe. Like let's slow everything down and just take care of you. So suddenly, like you might find yourself less likely to want to do things that are public facing, for example, you might just want to stay indoors, your nervous system, you might have a very different experience of your nervous system. Um, For me, I have a huge difference in like my sensory needs and challenges in the second half of my cycle, because from your body's point of view, your hormonal point of view, you're already knocked up, you're already pregnant. So now it's like, let's keep you safe. So that has an impact on the on your behaviour um, and, and all sorts of other things. And, you know, hormones also, we're talking about the levels of them will impact someone, the relationship between the hormones as well as an individual's particular sensitivity to them. So there's going to be nuance and differences in this. But what kind of classically happens for most people is right before the period starts, whether it's two hours before you start bleeding or two days before you start bleeding, it feels like your entire world is imploding and you just want to give up. It's like, what's the point? Um, You know, you might feel more vulnerable, more exposed, more teary. And again, it's just because those hormone levels are dropping off again in order to initiate the start of the period. So when you know these things, you can just account for them, either in your day-to-day planning or your cycle-to-cycle planning, I should say. But also when they're happening in the moment, be like, oh, yeah, of course this is what's going on. Of course I'm having these thoughts. Of course I'm experiencing these emotions. And then we can like care for ourselves within that rather than making all those things a problem.
0: Yeah, and one other question that comes up is, you said I mean this is so helpful I think you know regardless of whether you're applying this to running your business or your personal life or if you do work at a nine to five it's like so relevant either way or you know even dating it's like I guess you want to plan your dates (laughs) if you can.
1: I mean I do I definitely plan them with my partner I'm like Look, if we want to go out to dinner and like have an actual conversation, (laughs) these are the moments in the cycle where I'm like going to be really up for it because there's other points in the cycle where I'm just more introverted and I'm pretty introverted anyway. I'm also autistic. So like I live in my head a lot and I'm very comfortable living in my head. But like when you're out on a date with someone, generally there's an expectation that you're going to converse with them. (laughs) So... (laughs) why not make that easy and do it at the points in the cycle where we're most chatty? And it's not, again, not to say that you can't do it other times, but then you might, like, I might suggest to my partner, you know, let's not go out for dinner. Let's go for a nice walk together and just like enjoy each other's company and being outdoors and kind of walking hand in hand and let that be the connection rather than like a stimulating conversation over dinner.
0: Right. Yeah, and then and then you mentioned earlier something about like staying regulated, you know. I think you mentioned it when you were talking about your webinar. So yeah. how does the the hormone cycle interplay with our kind of fight, flight, freeze cycle? I'm curious if it, it sounds like you're aware of that. So
1: can yeah. you talk yeah. About that again, it's going to vary from person to person, but and kind of what baseline levels of neurotransmitters and things like that are like. But many of my clients, I have a lot of clients who have a really severe um, experience of the second half of the cycle. Many of them have extreme PMS or um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And so for those people, and, and this is my experience too, the second half of the cycle is, can be extremely challenging and one of the ways I'm gonna this is like a more personal example but one of the things that I find and I can I can tell as soon as I've ovulated without checking like what's happening with my cervical fluid my basal body temperature or any of those other ways that we can kind of clinically determine ovulation I can just tell by the level of personal space that I'm happy with (laughs) so my child my partner I'll suddenly be like whoa why are you getting so close to me or I'll be really aware of my son's fingernails and if they are too long so there is this link between what's going it's kind of like a I'd like to think of it as an ongoing dance between the hormonal system the endocrine system and the nervous system Mm -hmm. and so of course that dance is going to shift as you move through each cycle and then i know that my particular way things dance is after ovulation is it's like there's it's um quicker it's like things fire quicker there's a like stronger reaction to things and it feels like erratic that's how i would describe it so what that means from a nervous system point of view is that i need to do things that really soothe me and I need to like dial down what's going on sensory wise in my environment. So it can be as simple as thinking, oh yeah, I don't want to listen to a podcast whilst I'm walking around town Mm -hmm. and just gifting myself that. And many of my clients have the same experience that suddenly like they notice a huge difference in their sensory experience in the second half of the cycle. So when we're talking about regulating ourselves, because I mean, if we go back to what I was talking about in terms of the second half of the cycle being where the body's thinking, well, you could be pregnant, we got to keep you safe. Right. Right, it makes sense that the like fight flight, for example, is can be more activated, exactly. And it's the same, I was explaining this to a client of mine in pregnancy, she was like, I'm just so alert, like, if, things alarm me that never used to alarm me. And it's like, well, yeah, you haven't got the physical capacity to flee in the same way that you did pre-pregnancy. So maybe your body is just paying more attention to the things in your environment that could be perceived as a threat. And you're extra attuned to what's going on in your environment because that's a way that you can potentially protect yourself should you need to. Like you're more aware of what's going on. So you kind of buy yourself time there rather than expecting that you're going to be able to run three miles to get away from a predator. Right. So this yeah, is also going on if you, if you aren't pregnant <laughs> right? and your body is going to be responding differently and for other people like they can go into dorsal like a collapsed place where things just feel quite hopeless and and they withdraw and disconnect from themselves from their environment from the people around them but again like the way to get to know this is to track your own cycle and to really start to spot these things and these tendencies because then we can just again, return to that practice of noticing and naming them rather than making them mean things and adding story into what is just a nervous system response.
0: Right, yeah, that makes, it's almost like, it feels like it's like it's some sort of map or something that we've kind of been living without and just feeling the impacts of all the hormones.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It's like there's this map <laughs> that's going on, but you don't know what it is. It's like it's just this such a beautiful way of exploring and understanding yourself and caring for yourself again whether that's on a professional level, a personal level like you can use it in any way that you want to. Yeah
0: so my next question is about what happens when perimenopause starts to happen like how does this how does the cycle shift because I think you know for myself as a I'm in my early 30s so I'm not there yet but it's like I want to know. I don't want to get there personally.
1: Yeah. And well what's interesting in that is that actually so we tend to think of menopause as something that happens to women and people when they're in their 50s. Right. And technically that's true because menopause is is actually only lost for one day. So menopause simply marks the one year anniversary from the date of your last menstrual period. So let's say typically the average age is like 50-51 for when, you're, mm. when you go through menopause. And all that means is you've had no period for a year and then you're yes. postmenopausal. The entire time before that, you are perimenopausal. And most of the time when we're talking about menopause, what we're really meaning is perimenopause. And I like to think of it as a shift in your hormonal landscape. And it's a process that is changing. And that can actually start when you're about 35. So
0: Perfect.
1: Yeah. So you're I'm more on
0: there.
1: you're more on track than you think you are, basically. And that doesn't mean to say that at 35 you're going to be having hot flushes and All of these things some people will but most people won't that will be something that happens further on down the line but we start to see a shift in the hormonal relationship and this is why some a lot of my clients will come to me and say, you know, my PMS is getting worse, I'm getting these symptoms that I never used to have or existing ones are getting worse. And that's to do with what's going on with the hormones, but it's also to do with like the context of what's going on in life, particularly, you know, thirties into forties and fifties, there's all sorts of things going on there. Um, But what often happens, the other, I should also say, the other kind of what I would say mistake or misconception there is out there is that menopause is all about declining hormones. And it is eventually, but initially, Hormone levels are actually higher. So I y- you can have like the highest level of oestrogen you've ever had when you're in perimenopause. And that's when we start to get a hormonal picture where there's an imbalance and there's too much oestrogen in relation to progesterone. And oestrogen and progesterone are like a seesaw, basically, and they kind of counteract each other. And then progesterone starts to go down and oestrogen goes up. And that's when we get like, I think of them, especially in Chinese medicine terms, as like signs of excess mm. where we've got like, tender breasts, bloating, irritability, anger, like there's there's like too much in the system and the mm. system can't handle it. But then what? And in this time, this is when your cycles will typically become more frequent. So the cycle length, this is what's going on for me, will start to shorten. But then what happens eventually is you start to have declining levels of hormones and that's when your cycle will become longer. So you might, let's say you had a 28 day cycle to begin with, early stage of perimenopause maybe it shortens to 23 days, hormone levels are higher, but then hormone levels start to reduce and that's when you have a 56 day cycle or you're going like people who often talk about it in terms of skipping cycles. And that's when you start to see that happening. And then eventually you stop having them and then you're postmenopausal. Right.
0: Okay. That's so interesting because it's like I didn't know any of that.
1: Really. Yeah. And I would also this, in terms of like early perimenopause is like symptoms of excess the later stage of perimenopause is like symptoms of deficiency so that's when we get like vaginal dryness bone um like stiffness and aches and that's when bone density also starts to drop off a cliff and like poor memory you know poor verbal recall all those other like dry skin things like that all start to come in as well and
0: then what happens after
1: post-med so this is when your hormones will stay low unless you're taking hormone replacement therapy and that really just makes such a significant difference there's been like awful press it all came about from a particular study uh 20 or so years ago but now we have like a huge it was basically a large study that was poorly done and the data was also misinterpreted but it caused this huge public health issue because physicians just stopped prescribing hrt overnight and patients stopped taking it and people were just scared of it because they thought it would increase their risk of breast cancer and increase their risk of heart disease actually it doesn't do that it decreases those risks and is really helpful for bone health so Despite all these kind of horrific symptoms that you might read about, and even the ones that I've just mentioned, there are lots of things that can be done in terms of um, taking hormones or nutritional therapy, lifestyle things. There's so, really, and this goes for any kind of hormonal reproductive issue, there's so many things that can help. Um, that's why there's like thousands of strategies in both of my books. But it, it's, I think that's really important for people to know. It's like you, don't just have to put up with it and suffer which I think is how we're socialized to think about these things like oh you know it's just a woman's lot in life to have period pain and to have hot flushes and to have no memory anymore no it really isn't and when we think about perimenopause we're often thinking about symptom management which is important right We want to take care of those symptoms make day-to-day life uh, better but also it is a window of opportunity, and this is how the scientists refer to it. It's a window of opportunity for the decades that follow. because when you implement things like hormone therapy in that time frame, then you have stronger bones, you have better heart health, like all these markers um, and factors that go into health as an older person. It's like there's a window of opportunity to really do something then. So it's it's an interesting twist because we tend to think of it as like a crappy part of life, but it's a really powerful point of life. If you think like there's what you do in that time frame can impact you for like 30, 40 years, however long you live for. Even things like Alzheimer's really impact you know, Alzheimer's is a disease that impacts more women uh than men. But we know now that bringing in hormones can reduce the likelihood or the severity of getting it.
0: Wow. So many things that I feel like, you know, the more I learn about a bunch of different things, the more en- enraging it is on a bunch of levels, but things like, you know, seat belts are less likely to protect someone. I don't know the right words but you know a body with that menstruates yeah because the crash test dummies are based on the male body and and
1: And even like with the prescription of hormones like it varies from country to country but here in the uk where i am you it's hard to get testosterone prescribed to you like you have to kind of fight for it Which is really interesting because testosterone as a hormone increases motivation, cognition, ambition, but also sexual desire. So I am convinced that the reason it's so hard to get is because the powers that be don't agree with women typically in their fifties being horny. They don't want that. It's like but if it was a man who had low testosterone of course he'd be able to get that. Yeah. So yeah, it'd it's be a like, problem.
0: You like covered by all it'd be free. <laughs> they yeah. could get it. And it'd be free. Yeah, and so there it's yeah, I I think that's one of the reasons it's so important to talk about all of this is just make it more mainstream and so that we know what what the fuck is going on with our bodies.
1: Yeah, because this is information that is ours. Like We have a right to know this and, you know, I don't know what your reproductive education was like when you were young. But mine wasn't all that great, you know, and I don't think it's improved. My sister-in-law has been a family health nurse for, I mean, she's in her 60s now and she's always done it. And she just, you know, she does the cervical smear tests and uh, talking to people about contraception, you know, that's her job. And she's just like, it hasn't changed. People are still clueless. And I don't I don't say that in a way to like shame anyone for not knowing these things like it's no one's fault it's because this is stuff that's been hidden discouraged like we've been punished for discussing and this is information that is is ours to know because when we know it then we can make powerful choices about our reproductive health and about our lives so I agree we want to be having these discussions.
0: and your story like you said you had incredibly painful menstrual cramps when you were young is that how you got into this or how did you kind of become obsessed because it seems like you're obsessed in the best way
1: yes (laughs) yeah so yeah I used to have really debilitating cramps and I went on hormonal contraception Went on hormonal contraception when I was a teenager. And, you know, that worked because when you take the pill, you stop having a cycle. So you have withdrawal bleeds, but you don't have a period anymore. So it worked, but I was also very depressed. I had no sexual desire and it was crap. So I came off it in my early 20s and then, of course, was confronted again with the pain. And I just went on a mission, you know, like, whole massive action style way back then of like I'm just going to do everything I can because it was at the point of okay are we going to do exploratory surgery to look and see is there anything going on is there any endometriosis etc etc and I was just like okay before we do that like I'm up for doing that but before we do that I just want to go through my own kind of checklist of things to explore and see if they make a difference And at that time, I actually, a long-term relationship ended. And really interestingly, and this happens to a lot of my clients as well, I left that relationship and I had a pain-free period. Like, okay, I don't think I'm going to need that surgery. But like clearly there's a way for me to not have this pain. And what happened is like that pain did come back, but I had enough, belief to keep going
0: right you're like this is possible
1: yeah so I tried all sorts different types of massage hands-on healing hands-off healing western herbs Chinese herbs acupuncture reflexology like the list of things that I did was long and what happened in that process is I started getting interested in these things as well, which was, you know, I was really fortunate in that when I was doing my, what we call A-levels here, it's probably like the end of high school for Americans. When I was doing those exams, my mum was also training as an aromatherapist and a reflexologist, so we would kind of study anatomy and things together. And I would quiz her on the oils and on the points and all of those things. So I kind of absorbed some of that information there. and. At the time I was managing this like infamous rock bar in Soho in London and like thinking, I don't really want this for the rest of my life. I want to do something else. And that's when I like started training as a doula and I started training in reflexology and aromatherapy and basically training in all the tools in all the therapies that I found most useful to me. And where I landed was for me, like the combination of acupuncture Chinese herbs and the Arvigo, uh massage which is an, an, an abdominal massage and nutritional therapy as well like that just dealt with it mm. completely went but as all that was unfolding over the kind of many many years of training I just always had this focus like I want to be working in reproductive health because I know what a difference it makes to someone's quality of life and to how they think about themselves and to how, how able they are to be in their bodies. And like, ultimately that's what my work always comes down to is helping someone to feel comfortable in their body, whether we're talking about their experience of having a uterus, what their brain is up to, what their nervous system is up to, like it just all comes down to helping someone to feel at home in themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it brings to mind, I remember this one period where, and this was like a this is like maybe even ten years ago, a while ago, where I remember getting my period and not having any cramps and being like, wow, this is great. You know, I'm having this great period. And then I was working from my friend's house and they're their Wi-Fi wasn't working or I wasn't able to connect my computer and I got stressed and then all of a sudden it was like the cramps just like came and it was such a like acute experience of being like oh I was not stressed and I felt good and then the stress came and then somehow my my body just like tight, yeah. everything tightened.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because it is, you know, the actually the American College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists have referred to a period as the fifth vital sign. And they were talking specifically about adolescents and teenagers, but I think it can always be applied because our our periods, our cycles are just giving us so much information all the time really like it's just like a report card right Right. every month or however long your cycle tends to be you get a report card of kind of what's the status of things like am I feeling depleted am I having big cramps is my PMS off the charts like it's you're getting that reminder of like oh there's something to tend to here there's something that needs to be cared for or yeah look at us rocking it you know, it can go either way. It's not all bad.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think it's so important to to talk about it. So I almost like everyone listening, I want to give you this homework of like, talk about your period. Like, that's like one, one piece of homework. If you want to go deeper, like talk to someone else who menstruates. Like, let's talk about this out loud, because I think... That can be a great way to learn and see that we're not alone and start to normalize things that are totally, you know, supposed to be happening, yes. <laughs> but that we aren't talking about very much. Also, if you want to go deeper, if you love Maisie and you love her perspective, she has her two books, Period Power and Perimenopause?
1: Perimenopause? power. Yeah.
0: Power. And then you have your podcast. Is it period power too?
1: Yeah. I kept it really simple, stuck with period power.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then Maisie also has, if you want to go even deeper than the books and the podcast, she has a collective called the flow collective. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that and what, yeah. what happens there
1: oh all the fun stuff happens I was thinking about it actually just as you were talking about and I love the homework that you just set of like just speaking out loud about it because often these are things that we've just held inside right and
0: we're socialized to just like shut up or whisper in the bathroom
1: yeah and that's what I find so amazing about having a community having the flow collective where people come together and talk about these things and talk about all sorts of things and like there's just no such thing as TMI in our community and so often on coaching calls or when someone posts in the community they will say that like well I'm a bit hesitant to share this but you know I re- I feel safe to I really want to and then there's like eight other people who are like this happens to me too I didn't know it was a thing Thank you so much for sharing about this. And then like we just have this really amazing discussion. And so for me, like, I mean, the Flow Collective is where we have coaching. We have this incredible community and it's also where I deliver my best work. So it's where I do webinars and workshops and all things like that. And it's a monthly membership. And really it's about getting in flow, whether we're talking about your cycle, things in your life, your relationships, your nervous system, like we look at all of those things because I'm a big believer in everything shows up in the menstrual cycle and the menstrual cycle impacts everything in life. So we have to like look at everything from both sides. So it's really fun. It's a great place. And yeah, we 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 are we launch quarterly at the moment but the best thing to do if people are interested and they want to read more is to head to my website, mazehill.com, click on the flow collective link, and you'll get all the details. And you can join the wait list and then you'll get sneak peeks of what's going on inside the membership, as well as enrollment dates and all those juicy details. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I mean I know on your your podcast too, you've talked about like pregnancy loss and you've talked more in depth about your experience with autism and it's like all these things that I would love to if we could have touched on all of it here but yeah. obviously the time limit so people can head over to your website and find your podcast if they want to if those
1: topics yeah. are. Yeah we've covered all sorts of stuff. Yeah there's some episodes um about my journey to realising I'm autistic and I mean It just blows my mind. I just constantly have people messaging me saying, I listened to that episode and realized I'm neurodiverse too. And this 63 year old woman messaged me recently to say that she just got her diagnosis. It's like, wow. I have episodes about PMDD, pregnancy loss, like all sorts of stuff, and you know, if you're just discovering my work now, then it's great because you've got a whole back catalogue of like sixty odd episodes to go through. Yeah. <laughs> just the people who've been with me from the beginning are like, "Ah, oh, I just want more." <laughs> yeah, we
0: need more.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you have that with yours as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, I think this is gonna help so many people and. We're burning down the patriarchy one podcast episode at a time.
1: I love it. I'm here for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I love, I loved having you on and everyone, yeah, go out, talk about your cycle, check out Maisie if you want more because she is obviously such an expert on this and has uh, such an important perspective to share well thank thank you so
1: much for having me on this has been such a fun and delightful conversation I loved all your questions so thank you for having me you're
0: welcome okay bye everybody if you resonated with this episode I want to offer you a free private one-hour consultation with me Through doing the deep inner work, my clients have been able to do things like quit the job they hate and land a job they love, or get their first paying clients in their dream business, and if they're a little bit further down the road, double their revenue. They've been able to fall in love and go to bed each night feeling satisfied and accomplished. In the consultation, we'll talk about what your dream looks like, what's getting in the way, and whether working together can help. Email me at Bryn at com to book.